God is wonderful, God is all-powerful, God is amazing, and we're so thankful that we are children and part of the family of the almighty, all-powerful God in heaven. Amen? Aren't you grateful that God is the most high God? He is the one and only God. I love the scriptures that say there are no other gods before me. He is, that's one of the reasons that God says, you know, only worship me, because he knows if you worship anything else, it's meaningless. Anything else that you call God is not gonna be able to help you, save you, he doesn't have the power to save, and these idols that people create or idols that people have worshiped and other gods that people have worshiped, they're not gods at all. They're demon spirits trying to steal, kill, and destroy their lives. There is one God, God Almighty. He is powerful and mighty, mighty to save. Today, though, even though we are talking about a limitless God, I want to talk about ways that we put limits on him. Our limits that we create on him can be because of a lack of knowledge that we have. Our limits that we place upon God can be from assumptions that we make about him. Our limits that we put on God could come from our own fears, our own opinions, Because, you know, when we give our hearts to Jesus, we also can bring our opinions into Christianity as well. I didn't know if you knew that or not. And our opinions, our assumptions, our fears, all these things, it's not that they actually limit him because he's unchanging. But our opinions, our lack of knowledge, our assumptions, it puts limits on how the limitless God can interact in our lives. So we're not changing him, but we're not drawing or accessing all that he is because of limitations, fears, concerns, all these things we bring in to the equation. Are you understanding that? So many times in scripture, the Bible says, be it done unto you according to your faith. And, and if our faith is small or our faith is doubting or our faith is full of our own assumptions and how faith should work, we cannot receive the fullness of what God has for our lives. And so today I wanna talk about removing some of these limited mindsets, limited thinkings and attitudes that we bring into our relationship with God. Matthew chapter 13, we can see it here in the book of Matthew where Jesus goes back to his hometown in Nazareth. It's a familiar passage of scripture, you've heard it before, but I wanna share it with you again so that we really get it into our mind on how we by our choice, by our ignorance, by our opinions, can put limits on the limitless God and how he interacts in our lives. Matthew chapter 13, let's look at verse 53. When Jesus had finished telling these stories and illustrations, he left the part of the country. He returned to Nazareth, which was his hometown. And he taught there in the synagogue. Everyone was amazed and said, where does he get this wisdom and power to do these miracles? Then they scoffed. He's just a carpenter's son. We know Mary. We know his mother, we know his brothers, James and Joseph, Simon and Judas. All of his sisters live right here among us. Where did he learn all these things? And they were deeply offended and refused to believe in him. Jesus then told them a prophet is honored everywhere except in his own hometown and among his own family. And so he did not do many miracles there, only he healed a few sick people because of their unbelief. Can you see in that passage of scripture that it's not that Jesus didn't have the power to heal. It's not that he didn't have the power to deliver. But he was limited because of their attitude, their misconceptions, their opinions, their assumptions regarding him. And this is the conversation we want to have today. Are there any areas in our own life that we can address that say, you know what, if I'm honest, there are certain opinions I brought into my Christianity. There are certain assumptions 
that I have, how God should operate, how God should move. And I really want to take those off because I want everything God has for my life. Do you want everything God has for you? Amen. Do you want God to be the full version of himself in your life? Somebody say amen if that's you. But you will not receive or interact with the full version of God if you keep putting up unbelief, doubt, assumptions, and your own opinions in things. We have to remove that stuff out of our lives and say, God, be yourself. God, be the leader. God, do what's on your heart in your way. I take my hands off of this thing. I want the full version of the Lord. You know, it happened in other ways. There's a scripture the Lord brought me to this week in 1 Kings chapter 20. There's a passage of scripture there where Israel is being attacked uh, by their enemies. In verse 28, the man of God, the Bible says, the man of God came up and told the king of Israel, this is what the Lord says. Because the Arameans think the Lord is the God of the hills and not the God of the valley. I will deliver this vast army into your hands and you will know that I am the Lord. In this particular passage of scripture, what happened was Israel was successful when they were being attacked from the hillsides. And God delivered them. And so then there was assumption. Assumption maybe in Israel, assumption from their enemies. And they would declare, well, their God is the God of the hills, but he won't help them in the valley, so let's attack them in the valley. And I was just challenged in this conversation today about limitless God. Maybe we think that too. Maybe we think God is the God of the hills in the high times of our lives, but not the God of the valley. See, this is one of those assumptions again, or these lack of knowledges. Maybe we think that when we're going through a low time, that maybe God has left us. But my friend, our God is the God of the hill times in our lives, the successful times in our lives where we're clapping and rejoicing, but he's still God and he's still faithful when we go through a valley. And do not believe that Christians and believers only live on the mountaintops. Why would he be the God of the valley if we were only on mountaintops? But if your assumption is that God only keeps his kids up on the mountaintops and you don't have a theology that says sometimes we walk through the valley, you're not going to experience a limitless God. Are you hearing this, church? See, my Bible tells me in the book of Psalms, chapter 23, verses 4 through 5, that even when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, come on now, I will not be afraid because you are close by me. Your rod and your staff, they protect and they comfort me. You prepare a table, a feast before me in the presence of my enemies. And so if you have this theology or belief that your God will only help you when you're doing good and not when you're doing bad, then you're going to miss out on who the limitless God can be. Our life does this in ebbs and flows. It just does. And there are times we go through valleys, but your God is with you even in the valley. May we not be people that declare, God, did you leave me because I'm in a valley? No, I lay hold of the fact that my God walks with me through this valley and he will never leave me or forsake me. As a matter of fact, he even prepares a table before me, where? In the valley. That there's still blessing in that valley. There's still some sort of breakthrough in that valley. There's still sort of abundance in that valley. See, that's a limitless way of thinking. Are you hearing me, church? That's a limitless way of thinking. Too many times we just give up on God when we go through tough stuff. He's abandoned me. He's left me. I thought he was supposed to be this. And again, our assumptions, our opinions have put limits on our limitless God. And I'm telling you, whether you're on the mountaintop, first of all, you didn't put yourself there. Somebody say amen. amen. My God is the God of the mountaintop, but he's also my God in the valley. And he will not abandon you, even when we walk through a valley. 
And that doesn't mean that he's, he doesn't love his kids because you walk through a valley. Doesn't God love me? Why doesn't he love me? I'm in this valley. He loves you through that valley. He loves you leading you out of that valley. But he's loved you the entire time. He didn't change his mind about us. Some of the ways that we may limit God may be unspoken. We may not sit there and say, oh, I'm choosing to limit God today. Most of us don't wake up in the morning and say, how could I limit God? Most of our limitations that we place on God are unspoken. They're mindsets. They're things that we don't really address. And so my hope today is by bringing them out, by bringing truth upon them, we can get set free. And they're internal dialogue or internal beliefs. And sometimes we end up putting God in a box that we create. And our culture is really good at people having their own opinion about who God is. And one of the things in this church, I, we keep hitting this thing, hammering away in it, is this. We don't make God in our own image. We were made in his. We don't fashion a God that we want. We want to serve the God for who, we, God for who he is. And so these boxes that we form, they always have to be challenged because we can create new boxes and not even realize it. Are you with me, church? And so are you willing to challenge your own heart and your own thinking in this today to kind of do some self-evaluation? God, have I placed you in a little bitty box? Have I made you my little pet God? We wouldn't say that, right? But here's what we do. We say, God, I want you to come out of the box and do what I want you to do when I want you to do it, and then I want to put you back in that box. I'm going to put you over here when I don't need you, when I'm self-sufficient, or if maybe by bringing you out, it might bring me some sort of embarrassment, or it might challenge some things. I like to put you in my box that I form. You're my little pet, cute little God. You're my little lucky charm. Are you hearing me, church? May we break the boxes that we put upon the living God. The truth is he's not in that box anyway. We think he's in our little box and he's standing on the throne of the universe. But we have to be aware that we create these little boxes, these little pet God ideals. And today is about bringing God out from those boxes. Here's an illustration of that. God will not be here to perform for our like entertainment. There's a passage of scripture that I went to this week in Luke chapter 23. Luke chapter 23, just write it down, verse 6 through 9. Herod, King Herod, who was ruling in Jerusalem and Israel during the time of Jesus' crucifixion, he was excited when Jesus was brought to him on the night he would be crucified. And he's like, oh, goody. I don't know if that's what he said in the original language, but that's the way I see it. Oh, goody. Huzzah. Jesus is here. He's going to perform a miracle for me. That's what he wanted. He was excited that the miracle worker was coming into his throne room, and he was like, Jesus, do a miracle. Jesus, make something happen. Jesus, entertain me. Jesus, do what I want you to do. Perform. Dance, Jesus, dance. And you know what Jesus did? Nothing. He stood there silent. He stood there and just was unmoved by Go perform for me, Lord. Go perform for me, Jesus. And I want to say that to us today. That's a good reminder that Jesus isn't here to dance for us. He's not here to perform for us. He's not here to do little tricks and to do little things to impress you or to prove anything. You know what? Jesus' miracles that he did were not there to entertain or to impress. 
They were given because he was moved with compassion at the people that were hurting. The people that were sick and afflicted and demonized. He was healing to set people free, not to entertain the onlookers or the audiences of the world. Not even to prove his deity. Sometimes we think, oh, he was doing it to prove his deity. Jesus did not have an insecurity problem. And there were times where he healed people and said, you know what, don't even tell anybody about it. Because he wasn't sitting there trying to promote his brand. Come on, church. He wasn't just trying to promote his brand. He was trying to help people with his power. He was more concerned about people and their needs than him impressing the masses. Don't you love that? He wouldn't even let the king make him dance. He just stood there in front of him because one greater than Herod was standing in the room. And that's Jesus Christ, King of kings and Lord of lords. He's like, I don't perform, Herod. I don't need to prove anything to you, O king. I don't need your opinion. I don't need your approval today. I'll only speak if God tells me to speak. My father tells me to speak. I'll only do a miracle if I see my father doing a miracle right now. Other than that, I'm going to just stand here like the rock of ages. Come on, man. He's not the God of our little box. He's not the God of our little box. Another story in the Old Testament, 1 Samuel chapter 4, 5, and 6. Don't worry, I won't take the time to read it. 1 Samuel chapter 4, 5, and 6. Write it down. See, what happens is, I'm telling you, we do this and don't even realize it. In this particular passage of Scripture, Israel is being attacked, and their enemy is surrounding them, and, oh, we got an idea. Let's take the Ark of the Covenant. Let's go take our box, and let's bring it like a lucky charm into battle. And then God, because we've got our little God box, and we bring him with us into battle, he will be our defender. You see, the Ark of the Covenant was a symbolic place in the tabernacle at the time where the presence of God was to dwell among the mercy seats right there. And they would make their offerings inside the tabernacle in the holy place, in the holy of holies. And the Ark of the Covenant represented the presence of God with the people. And they weren't supposed to touch it, and we have all those stories, and we get that. But here's what I want you to see in this passage of Scripture. These individuals were in a war. They were in a battle. Here's the deal. The two gentlemen... The sons of Eli that went and got the ark and said, let's go get the lucky charm. Let's go get God, the box of God, and let's go bring him into battle. See, they didn't really want to serve the Lord. They just wanted him to show his power for them. God had already prophesied about these two individuals that they would die because they had been stealing from the sanctuary. They had been having sex with the girls that would come in. Uh, to, to bring their offerings, they, would, they were just violating the holy things of God. And yet here they are saying, you know what, we're in trouble. Let's go get our God box and let's go bring it into battle and God will deliver us. And God didn't do anything. And they lost that battle. They lost their lives. As a matter of fact, the Ark of the Covenant was then taken by the Philistines. And the powerful part about that story is this, that when they took the Ark of the Covenant into the Philistine cities, God began to show up and he began to judge the Philistines. He literally took on the nation of the Philistines by himself and he was striking people down. Their idol in their temple would fall down every night before the Ark of the Covenant and its hands would be broke off, its head would be lacerated off. Here's what I'm saying, God didn't need anybody's help defending himself. It wasn't that God couldn't beat the enemy. It was God wasn't going to perform as their lucky charm. Come on, church. God didn't need their help to conquer his enemies. 
He had the power to do it, but he wasn't going to do it based on them wanting God to perform. He requires us to live for him, to love him, to honor him, to treat him as God and holy. Amen. And that's when we receive the fullness of this limitless God. These boxes we put him in do not contain him, and he will not be moved or controlled by these opinions, mindsets, assumptions, lack of knowledge, and sins. Amen. So what are some of the designs and the limiting knowledge and language that we put into this relationship that we have with God? I just had four that I wanted to address. There may be more. I'm sure there are. But there's four that I wanted to speak out today because I just really believed in my heart that these were limiting boxes that we're putting God in and that we're dealing with maybe in this room or watching online. And so I just want to share these with you. And you could just ask yourself, Lord, if that's me, then I just make an adjustment. I repent right now and I make an adjustment. Here's the thing. Anytime that we're off in our walk with God, it's not sitting here to beat us down and just to sit here and say, look how terrible, or look how we missed it. God is trying to renew your mind so you can be aware of that mindset. You can repent, say, God, I ask for your forgiveness, and now I change my mindset, and I start walking the other way. Within one act of your choice and surrender to God, you can be on the right path. You don't have to sit there and beat yourself up for day after day after day. Are you understanding, church? And so there's no guilt walking out of here, but we want to identify limiting mindsets because we serve a limitless God and we already said we want the fullness of who he is in our lives. Amen. And so let's address these four that I believe were for us today. Number one, God, you're allowed to do this in my life, but not that. And we can just go through some examples of what that would look like. See, because again, we probably don't say it out loud but the way we act and the way we respond, we say, God, my little box looks like this. You're allowed to, you're allowed to the God of the universe. Hello. <laughs> God, you're allowed to do this, but you're not allowed to do this. What are some of the examples that that mindset might manifest itself? One is you're allowed to move, speak to me, or ask things of me at church, but not when I'm at school, work, or at home. God, if I'm at church, you can ask whatever you want. But if I'm working in the office or if I'm on my college campus, I'm not looking for you. I'm not listening for you. Are you hearing me, church? You're like, God, I'll, in, the, in the church service, I'll sing, I surrender all. I'll declare all kinds of things. But now I'm on my college campus and you want me to open my mouth there? God, you want me to share what and say what in the boardroom of my job? In the cafeteria, at the factory? Are you hearing me, church? We don't realize it, but we're like, God, I expect you to move in this environment, but I'm not expecting you to move in my everyday life. My friends, God is God everywhere at all times. And if you're going to say you can speak to me at church, then we need to say, God, you can speak to me in the cafeteria of my campus. You can speak to me in the boardroom of my business. Even if it means I'm putting myself out there as a believer, you're allowed. You are the God of my life. And you can move me, speak to me, challenge me anywhere I am, in my home as well. So in here, we're used to hearing the Lord prompt us about forgiving and different things like that. So we're like, okay, God, I forgive. But what about in the kitchen of your house when you're really battling in your family? Can you forgive there? Can you hear the Holy Spirit prompt you there when you don't have Josue on the piano? 
and you don't have the altar team up here ready to, you know, put some oil on your head. When you're just fighting with your loved ones and you're in turmoil in your house, can you make an altar there? Because that's making God limitless. It's not like we'll get it right when we go to church on Sunday. No, we'll make it right right here and right now. Because God is right here, right now. There's no limits to when he speaks, how he speaks, how we respond. He's not the God of the church building and not my everyday life. God, you're allowed to do this, but you're not allowed to do that. Here's another one in that context. God, you're allowed to give to me, but you're never allowed to remove anything from my life. That's limiting God. That's putting him in a little box. Are you hearing me, church? God, you can give me more money. Somebody say amen. <laughs> God, you can give me, th- give me fame, give me favor, bless me indeed. And you know what? Those are scriptural prayers. I have no problem saying bless me indeed and expand my territory. There's nothing wrong with that prayer. I think the kingdom of God and the children of light should take more ground. Your business should multiply, triple. doesn't bother me at all. Or God. He's not intimidated by your blessing. But if you believe that God can only give to you and never remove things, you have put him in a box. Because the same God that blesses is the same God that trims the fruitful branch. Come on, church. Get this in your spirit. Which means God may say, I'm removing some relationships. I'm removing some habits. I'm removing some things you used to do or people you used to run with. I may even remove the current position, the current job you have, but that's not God trying to harm you. He's always moving you forward. But you're like, no, no, God would never take anything. He'll only give. Are you hearing me, church? That's limiting God. There are times that God will remove things from our lives because they were for an old season or they don't serve you in this season. Amen. God, you're allowed to move me forward. Here's another mindset in that. God, you're allowed to do this, but not that. God, you're allowed to move me forward, but never backwards. God, you're allowed to move me forward. Progress, increase, conquering, making more than I made last year, having more success than last year, always moving forward. But you know, there are seasons in our lives that it looks like to us we might be taking a step backwards but we're always moving forward when we're trusting the Lord. But it may look to you, let me give you an example, Joseph. In the life of Joseph, he went from a pit, his brothers threw him in the pit, and then he was successful in Potiphar's house. He was uh, purchased as a slave in a very successful, wealthy house, and he was leading in Potiphar's house. And then Potiphar's wife saw him and said, "Mm, you look good, and he said, no. Stop it. And him doing the right thing, he went from being successful back down to a prison. Do you see that, my friends? We, if we think that we're, for God to be for us and to be limitless in our lives, that means we're always going to move forward in the natural. What you don't realize is that he was successful in Potiphar's house, and he actually had to take a bit of a backward step in order for God to position him for a greater blessing later. If you think that every time you 
have a transition or change in your life, it's always forward, forward, forward. There are times where it may look like you're taking a step backwards, but in God's mind, it's always forward because there's people for you to meet. It doesn't inhibit him or prohibit him from getting you to the full version of what he prophesied over your life just because in the natural, it looks like you took a step backwards, looks like you took a pay cut, looks like you lost your job. Are you hearing me, church? And if you have a belief that, that God will only promote you, then when you lose a job or you lose some money, you start getting discouraged and you start giving up on God. You start letting go of the limitless God that has a plan for your life and he's trying to get you somewhere. You're quitting your story way too soon because you believed a lie that said, I'm, if God loves me, only good things are gonna happen. I'm only gonna go forward. Whew. Yeah, that's a good word. That's a healthy word. God is not trying to harm you, but there are times that he will make you take a turn back to find out some things as well. Sometimes we have to take a turn backwards because there's some things that we miss in our growth potential. And if we didn't learn it before, we're gonna have to learn it now so that he can still bring you to where he promised you. But I wanna take the limits. We just said, God, I wanna take the limits off you, but if you believe in your heart, though we wouldn't say it, if you believe in your heart, God, if God is for me, then that means I'm always just going to feel like I'm just advancing, advancing, advancing. See, because our belief in success is we believe that it's like this consistent upward line like this. You can draw that in your notes, right? Because this is what we're prophesying in our lives. We're, we're saying, yeah, that's success. Hallelujah. God is for me, which means my success is always going to look like this. But you know what success actually looks like? It looks like this. Amen. How many of you have experienced that in your life and walking with God for success? See all the hands? But did God get you there? Did God get you there? Yes. Amen. Amen. Another mindset, another limiting mindset. God, you're allowed into this area of my life, but not into this area of my life. You say, we would never do that. Yes, we do. We all do this. God, you're allowed into my church life, but not into my media, into my entertainment life, into my social and business life. He's your God of your whole life. You gotta take the limits off of him. There are individuals who say, yeah, I'm a Christian. I believe in God. And then they go in business and they act like Christianity has nothing to do with their business. That is wrong. And that is putting a limit on God in that area of your life. Or God has blessed some of you to be in politics. And maybe someone watching, God has blessed you to be in some seat of, 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 of influence. Maybe school boards or local government or state government or national government. And then too many times people are like, yes, I'm a Christian. I'm a, I'm a God-fearing man or woman. And then when they're voting, their vote doesn't match the word of God. Again, you're saying, God, you can be in this area of my life, but this is politics. You don't belong in this area of my life. Or maybe you're in sports or you're a coach and you're using foul language and you're treating people like garbage. You hear what I'm saying? But you're a Christian. No, you can figure out how to be a godly coach, a godly leader that doesn't have to use those kind of words and doesn't have to use that kind of tormenting of people to get them to grow. 
because your heavenly father gets you to grow and he doesn't speak death over you. And he doesn't beat you up or ruin your image, your, your, who you are, right? Break, your, break you. Are you hearing me? And yet he can still move you forward. God, you're allowed into my church life, but not my media, my entertainment, my business, my social. God, you're allowed into my church friends, but not my outside church friends. See how we've divided ourselves up? God, you're allowed into my spiritual life, but not into the sexual part of my life. Come on, man. God is allowed into every single part. You're, you're putting limits on him. You're putting him in a box. Do you want all of God or not? Remember, you're not actually limiting him. You're limiting how he can help you. You're limiting how he can be his full self for you with these things. Another limiting mindset, God, I expect you to do this, but I don't expect you to do that. God, I expect you to always say yes and never to say no. But you know, God says no sometimes. Just like you as a loving parent have to say no sometimes. Come on, church. God, I always expect you to say yes, 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 and never to say no. But sometimes God says no, or sometimes God says wait. And sometimes God's no is a challenge for you to grow. Because he's saying no right here, knowing that turning, turning you down now, if you'll do it right, will push you into further growth, which will make it a yes later. Because right now, if he gives you what you're asking for now, it could destroy you because you don't have the character or maturity to man manage it and contain it either. Are you hearing me? God, I expect you to do this, but not that. I expect you to say yes and never to say no. God, I expect you to move in church within my time limits. We want a church where God will move, his presence will manifest and move and touch and heal, but we want it in 90 minutes or less. Preferably less. We want to learn the word of God in 15 seconds flat. If it can't fit it on a TikTok thing and keep my interest, then we're out. I want a church that is filled with a move of God, and he is not going to perform on my timeline. We are here to be with him. And there are certain truths that you don't just need the sound bite. You need to dig into that truth and let it wash your mind. Amen. You need, to, you need to go over it in three or four different ways, which is why a sermon works like this, from this angle, this angle, this angle, so that you can wrestle with that truth while you're sitting under that word. Are you hearing me? Now, I'm not sitting here saying I want to preach for four hours every week, but, but I, I, I don't want to build a, a place where people don't want to sit and hear the word of God. You know, the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Paul was preaching one night, in the book of Acts, he preached all night long. The Bible says the, the candle on the wall went long. People were getting tired, and a, and a young man fell asleep in the middle of Paul's sermon, and he fell out the window and died. And someone could look at Paul and say, you preach too long. But you know what Paul did? He walked down to the street, raised him up from the dead, 
and said, get back in there. I'm not done preaching. And he went and he preached for hours more. Are you hearing me? There needs to be a hunger in this nation for the Word of God, a hunger to be in the presence of God, not being dominated by our wants, our needs, our likes, culture, all these things. We're trying to bring a different culture. And we put limits on God. God, we got to shorten worship because we got to get people in and out. God, we got to shorten the word. They're going to get unhappy. God, we got to. And it's like, let just God just do what he's going to do. Now, I believe that, yes, God can move within 90 minutes. I get that. And we're going to do our best to be efficient. But there are times you just got to trust that God is working on something. And don't put limits on how church is supposed to look to fit into your schedule. Amen. God, I expect you to fix this simply with a prayer, whatever it is, but don't ask me to change any behaviors or actions on my part. God, I expect, remember, this is what I'm saying. These are limiting mindsets. God, you can do this, but don't do that. God, you can fix my problem with the prayer, but don't ask me to do any changing. Don't ask me to go get some renewing of my mind or some biblical education on that. Don't ask me to go get some genuine counseling don't ask me to go get some budget assistance. Don't ask me to do anything. Just, just let me come up and have someone pray over me and just fix it in a second, and I don't have to go do any growth of my own. My friends, God is going to challenge you to grow. He's going to challenge you to go do some things too. We do believe in miracles. We do believe in immediate transformation, all those things. But sometimes there is some stuff that we have to change in our habits that will take time and we'll take work, and we'll take resisting old natures and creating new pathways in our brain of how to respond. Amen. Amen. God, I expect you to be happy with my showing up in my church attendance, sitting, sitting through the songs, listening to the message, and not to ask me to dance don't ask me to go up to that altar and dance like all those crazy people. Come on. God, I showed up. That's enough. God, I sat through the worship. That's enough. God, I, I listened through, like you endured something, the message. Don't ask me to do anything else. Don't ask me to go up there to that altar and dance. Don't ask me to raise my hands. I don't do that. I don't do that. We are limiting God. You know what? Sometimes your freedom is going to be when you kick off your shoes and you come down and you get a little undignified before the Lord. Come on. Get a little un No, 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 no. No, no, no. I don't get undignified. I don't do that. My friends, there's freedom to be found. There's limitless God. And I'm not saying that God is just doing it to make you look weird, okay? Like, don't get all off the rails on this thing. But I'm challenging you. Some of you have not allowed God to do anything new in you for years. You've sat in the same chair. You've had the same attitude and mindset in every service. And God's saying, do you want more? Do you want more? Then when they make the call to worship, why don't you move? Why don't you make an adjustment? Why don't you make yourself do something that's uncomfortable? Because being uncomfortable makes us grow. Amen. And finally, God, you can ask this of me, but don't ask that of me. 
God, you can ask me to say a prayer, but don't ask me to share my faith with my coworker. I'll pray for them at home, but I won't open my mouth at work and say anything. God, you can ask me to sing a song in church, but don't ask me to stick my neck out to be ridiculed somewhere in my life. God, you can ask me to give to missions, but don't ask me to go personally on a trip. God, you can ask me to love people that I like, but not those that have hurt me. Come on. Not those who anger me. Not those who live like sinners or believe in things that I don't believe in or I know are wrong. And yet God is still saying, love people. You don't have to love everything they do, but you still got to love people. Come on, church. And too many times it's like, I'll love people that are like myself. I'll love people that I agree with. I love people that I like, but the real challenge is loving those that have hurt you, taken advantage of you, who don't deserve the love, right? Amen. God will not be contained in your box. And so I have a different illustration just as we close, and it's this. See, God, whoa, look at that. It's an unveiling of a speaker. God is speaking to you through this illustration. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. God works all things together for good. Come on now. God is speaking to you through this illustration. Yes, Lord. Here's the thing. Our lives and our God is not meant to be in a little box or for him to be compartmentalized in boxes we create in our lives. Is that true? Can I hear an amen? amen. This is a better illustration of how our lives are supposed to be. That God is the center not in some little box. He is the center of everything. And all of these things come out of our relationship to him. Our business and how we do business comes out from our relationship with him. He's not separate from my business. My business practices are sourced and rooted in who God is in my life. If I'm in politics, right? How I treat people, my sexual desires and how I fulfill my life in my sexual life. It's rooted in the way God, 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 God designed sexual uh, relationships with husband and wife, by the way. That's it. It's not that complicated. All right. Thank you, Jesus. My money. Well, your money is rooted in him as well. It's not separate from him. Right? This is our life. It's God is in the center. He's not in a box on Sunday morning and not on Monday morning. This is Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. See, it all comes from him. This is marriage, relationships, business, entertainment. Everything is linked and rooted in him. That's the limitless God relationship. No limits. God, everything is for you and by you and in you. You have access, access to every area of my life. Amen. That's good stuff. And in closing, the truth is, if we were honest, we actually desire a God that cannot be contained. You may think you want a God in a box, but none of us want God in a box. We want the all-powerful the almighty, the unexpected God. Come on. C.S. Lewis, an author, a Christian author, wrote a series called The Chronicles of Narnia. 
The first book in that series originally was The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. And Aslan is this picture of Jesus, the lion. And he lays his life down to save a sinner and all that kind of stuff. And he beats the enemy, the devil, the witch uh, in, the, in the storybook. How many of you are familiar with the story that I'm talking about? Okay, good. There's a line in there that I just loved it because the truth is we don't want a small God. We don't want a God that can fit in a box. There's this character called Mr. Beaver. Mr. Beaver. And Mr. Beaver says this when asked about Aslan, the lion. He says, safe? Question mark. Safe? Said Mr. Beaver. Don't you hear what Mrs. Beaver is telling you? Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he's good and he's king. Isn't that powerful? We don't want a little safe God, some little small God, some little predictable God, something that we create in our human imagination. We want the fullness of who he is. We want the roaring lion. We want the God that surprises us with how a victory is going to come to pass. We want his vision, his dream, his ways, which are not our ways. Safe? He's not safe, but he's good. He's good. And that's what you can trust. When you don't understand everything, you can trust that he is good. So when your life looks like it's going backwards, you can trust that he's good and that he's going to be faithful to do what he promised. Let's remember a couple of scriptures before we close in a word of prayer about God, who he is. Isaiah 40, 28. Have you never heard? Have you never understood? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth. He never grows weak or weary. No one can measure the depth of his understanding. Psalms 33, 6, the Lord merely spoke and the heavens were created. He breathed the word and all the stars were born. This is our God. This is who he is. We don't want a God in a box. We want him to be the one who spoke and the stars were formed. Colossians 1, 16, for through him, Christ, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on the earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones and kingdoms and rulers and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through Christ and for Christ. Hebrews 1.3, the Son, Christ, radiates God's own glory and expresses the character of God. He, Christ, sustains everything by his mighty power of his command. When he had cleansed us from our sins, he sat down in the place of honor at the right hand of the majestic God in heaven. Isaiah 57, 15, the high and lofty one who lives in eternity. The holy one says this, I live in the high and holy place with those whose spirits are contrite and humble. I restore the crushed spirit of the humble and revive the courage of those with repentant hearts. But notice, he lives in the high and holy place. The high and lofty one in eternity. In Psalms 104, 24 through 25, O Lord, what a variety of things you have made. In wisdom you made them all. The earth is full of your creatures. Here is the ocean, vast and wide, teeming with life of every kind, both large and small. See the ships sailing along, the Leviathan, which you made to play in the sea. They all depend on you to give them food as they need it. When you supply it, they gather it. 
you open your hand and you feed them and they are richly satisfied. But if you were to turn away from them, they panic. When you take away their breath, they die and they turn again to the dust. When you give them your breath, life is created. You renew the face of the earth. And finally, Nehemiah 9, 6, you alone are the Lord. You made the skies, you made the heavens, you made the stars, you made the earth, you made the seas, you made everything in them and you preserve them all. And the angels in heaven, they worship you. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. He is God Almighty, and He is worthy. He is worthy to be praised. He is worthy to be served. He is worthy to be worshiped. He is worthy in every part of our lives. He is the beginning and the end. He's the Alpha, the Omega. He is the Lord of heaven and the Lord of earth. He is the God of all eternities. We do not want him in a box of our making. God, we take the limits off of you. God, we take you out of that box of our own design. Be the full version of yourself in our life. In Jesus' name. Let me close in a word of prayer as you respond to this word today. Heavenly Father, we open our hearts wide and we say if there are any limiting beliefs, mind spaces, mind thought, thoughts, attitudes, actions, opinions that we have put you in a box in our lives, would you please identify them? Holy Spirit, would you lead us into all truth? God, may we stop saying you can do this, but not this. You can go here, but not here. You can ask for this, but not that. God, can you help us, help us with this. Help us to take the limits off of how you respond and interact with our lives. We wanna be a church, a people that are 100% open and say, God, be everything that you are, the fullness of yourself in our lives. We give you thanks. We give you praise in Jesus' precious name. If you agree with that prayer and that word today, would you celebrate that? Amen. Amen. All right, church, here's what we're gonna do. Before we dismiss, I wanna give you an opportunity to give your heart to the Lord. The Bible says that all of us have sinned. You can stay standing. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, which means every one of us needs a savior. The Bible tells us that the wages of our sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ the Lord. And finally, the Bible goes on to say that all who will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so today I wanna to give you an opportunity to call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you say, you know what? I don't remember a time in my life that I asked Jesus to be my Lord and savior. We're gonna give you that opportunity right now. Or you might say, you know, I used to have a walk with the Lord, but if I was honest, I've walked away and I've grown cold, but I would like to recommit myself to the Lord 100%. If that's you, we're gonna pray. And so if everyone just bow your heads and close your eyes for the next 30 seconds. I'm gonna give everyone a private moment. Please, no one leaving for the next 30 seconds. You say, Pastor Kevin, that's me. I need to commit my heart to the Lord for the first time, or I wanna recommit my heart to the Lord today. When I count to three, if you'll simply just raise your hand right where you are, that's your act of faith. And say, I'm acknowledging with my raising of my hand that I am committing or recommitting my heart to Jesus. And I will lead you in a prayer right at your seat. Are you ready? Ready? One, two, three. If that's you, would you place your hand up today? There's a hand right there. Wonderful. Anyone else? Place it up high so we can see it and so the Lord sees it as a declaration. There's a second hand over there. Awesome. Uh, three, four, five. Wonderful. Put them up, put them up. Six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11. Amen. Anybody else? 
Even if I didn't see it, the Lord sees it. Would you all stand and let's pray this prayer together, would you please? Everyone pray this prayer with me and with your heart, mean it with all your heart. Dear God, I thank you that you see me just as I am. I realize that I've sinned and I've walked away from you. I receive Jesus Christ today as my Lord and Savior. I believe that he died for me and that he rose again. Please forgive me of my sin. Wash me, cleanse me, make me new. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Take every part of me now. Be my God. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We hope you have been blessed by the ministry of Calvary Orlando. We invite you to join us in person for our Sunday morning worship experience every Sunday at 10 a.m. To find out more about Calvary, please visit our website at calvaryorlando.org. There you can find our latest events and ministry opportunities. Thanks for listening. 